The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. Our show will educate you about OA's 12-step program so you recognize the symptoms of compulsive eating and find the support you need in a program that works to help you control your eating behaviors and maintain a healthy weight. In this next hour, you will realize you're not alone and that there is hope for recovery and a whole new life free of obsession with food and weight. Now, here is your host, Naomi Lapel. afternoon and welcome to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous, a 12-step solution to compulsive eating. I'm Naomi LaPel, Managing Director of Overeaters Anonymous, also known as OA. This 13-week series about OA to provide information on what the program's all about and how it works for people who are struggling with their weight and eating compulsively. We hope it'll help you decide if it might be right for you. In OA, we talk about abstinence from eating compulsively, which would be like being sober from drinking alcohol. We define abstinence like this. Abstinence is the action of refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors while working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight. Spiritual, emotional, and physical recovery is the result of living the Overeaters Anonymous 12-step program. In OA, we recommend nine tools known as the tools of recovery to help members with staying abstinent and practicing the 12 steps. The tools are a plan of eating, which we already talked about in detail last week, sponsorship, meetings, the telephone, writing, literature, action plan, anonymity, and doing service. Joining us today are three guests from OA who will each talk about three of the tools and how those tools help them maintain their abstinence and keep working the steps every day, one day at a time. Anonymity is an important principle of our program and also happens to be one of the tools of our program. We'll only be using OA members' first names. So we'll begin with Beth from Arizona. Welcome, Beth. Hi, Naomi. You have maintained a 35 to 40-pound weight loss over 11 years. Is that right? Um, That's correct. Currently 40. Congratulations. Let's start with the first tool, a plan of eating. So this tool helps members deal with the physical aspects of their disease and achieve physical recovery so they can be more effective in following a 12-step program. So Beth, tell me a little bit about your process in using your plan of eating and how it's helped you in your program. Well, for me, I've, um, I started out wanting more food than there was ever available, especially um, sweets. I my first memory of being addicted to food was when I was four years old. My grandma would give us M&Ms in a bowl, and I always wanted to eat more and fantasize about how I might um, grab her large bag and have it to myself. Um, growing up, the dessert was always relegated to a single serving after dinner. 
Um, so my, my relationship with food was love-hate. I love food, but I, I hated what it did to my body. Um, I am innately shy, and food worked to keep me in safe company. So my previous history with food was basically either I was more or less insanely eating um, constantly, or I was starving, trying to get rid of the food in some way. Um, so when I came to OA, I had been binging and uh, throwing up since I was 18. I started that in college. And so I had no order to my food. My food was completely disordered. And so when I um, came to OA, finally, um, November 15th of 2000, I, I understood at a, at a gut level that, that it wasn't going to be fast and it wasn't going to be easy. So um, I got a sponsor when I came in, and, and my first um, abstinence was that I abstained from throwing up no matter what. Um, uh, yeah, I see. And she had me um, write down my binge foods, but she never told me I couldn't eat them. So what happened for me was the first step through my plan of eating, the first plan was mostly what I was leaving out. Um, I was leaving out the binging, and I started eating breakfast, which I had never done. Um, So when I finally came to OA, um, I I practiced, uh, you know, at first it was no purging no matter what, no throwing up, and and trying to eat three meals a day. And for me, that often that meant that I would I would have my breakfast and then halfway through the morning I would I would need to eat something. Um, you know, and this is all in my head. Obviously my body didn't need it. So I wasn't gonna starve. Um, but my mindset was that I might be deprived and I had this this horrible fear that I would go hungry or there wouldn't be enough. Um, so, yeah. so I would have something mid-morning, and I would say, okay, this is counting toward lunch. Um, and that's how it started for me. I knew that whatever I did had to be good enough. Um, so, and, of course, I was going to meetings, had a sponsor, and was starting to work my steps. Um, later, uh, and, and automatically, right away, I was abstaining from my, my trigger foods, my binge foods. Um, so... Were those primarily sugar? Yeah, um, for me, candy, cookies, cake, um, any anything with kind of some and hard candy was never a problem for me. Um, it was always something mushy and soft and comforting, more or less. Right. Um, as as my uh, food plan has progressed over these years, I've I've come to eat more healthy foods. I realized that. You know, at one point, I've always tried to be economical, except when it came to binging and purging. I never thought about my health or the, my, the economy of what I was doing, that I was spending money my family needed. Um, so I, I had kind of a, an aha moment when I realized that, okay, Beth, you need to eat happily. You need to have stuff you like. So I started eating, you know, buying instead of broccoli I would um, and cauliflower, I started buying red peppers and, and yellow peppers and things that were healthy that I enjoyed as well. Yeah, that's great. That makes a lot of sense. Finally, so you, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, finally, when, um, you know, now my, my food plan is that I have three meals a day. I absolutely do not eat between meals because for me, picking up food is, is like in, having an encounter with alcohol for an alcoholic. 
And so I need to limit my encounters with food to three a day, and I absolutely do not eat between meals. I also abstain from recreational sugar, and what I mean by that is that it's okay to have salad dressing with sugar in it, but I do not um, eat my binge foods. Right, right. Very interesting. Do you feel like um, some people have said that, uh, or ask, you know, say, say it might be really difficult in compulsive eating because, you, like, you can live without alcohol, but you can't live without food. Right. You know, you you obviously have to eat to survive, and and it's like letting the tiger out of the cage three times a day. Is was that kind of your experience for a while? Um, it was. It was because I'm a volume eater. I, you know, if I could just sit and eat, that's what I wanted to do. Um, so at first I would have popcorn for dinner or, you know, I would have unhealthy food. But, um, you know, of course, after some time in the program, I've had been relieved spiritually, um, which means that, that I'm happy and that I don't need to distract myself with right. addictions. Or use food for to fulfill other things other than, like, nutritional support and, and you know, being healthy. Right. Well, I do enjoy my food. Um, so I'm Good. not one of these people who say, you know, we, we don't enjoy food. It's just, you know, to live. I, I definitely enjoy my food, but it's just such a different relationship today. Right, right. That's great. Thank you. So let's move into um, sponsorship, which is another tool that we have in OA. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Tell me from your experience, what does a sponsor do and, and not do? Okay, well, I was, my, um, my background in OA is that, that we don't do this alone. All of the steps are we. They're we steps, and there's just no way that, that I can do this alone. And my sponsor takes me through the steps, and we, took, we take the steps. Um, a sponsor shares her experience with me. She doesn't share anything that's not in the literature or, or of her experience because mm-hmm. we're not psychologists. We don't try and fix people. Um, we share our own experience, strength, and hope. And, you know, the chances are if you're feeling some way, I've felt that way too. I may not have exactly the same experience, but I've had those same feelings. So we right. just, just don't do this alone. My sponsor helps me work the steps. Yeah. So do you have the same sponsor now that you had at the beginning? No. Um, no, uh, I've had four sponsors in OA, and, and that doesn't mean, you know, um, I always tell people who I work with, don't worry, this we're not mated for life. I'm here, mm-hmm. you know, my job, and the only way I get to recover is by helping you. So if I'm not helping you, please get someone else. Right. So you and you sponsor others in a way then, is that right? Exactly. That's how this works. You know, we can um step 12 is all about carrying the message and practicing um the principles, patience, love, tolerance in in everything I do. And um how is how is being a sponsor for others rewarding to you? Well, for me, um it starts out as a tool to save my own hide. <laughs> so the motivation is, if I want to recover, I must carry the message. Um, and as it turns out, this is the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my life. It is um, because to see the light come on in someone's eyes, to see their health change and improve, to see them get happy and useful and out, you know, 
come out of their shell. It's just there's nothing. There's nothing like it, and it's it's it. You know, it's self self perpetuating, really. Right. So when you experience that, like watching that in another mm-hmm. person, do you find that that kind of reinforces your own recovery and your own program for yourself? Yes, because if I'm suggesting something to someone, then I probably should be doing it myself. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. People's yeah. lives are so busy these days. So how do you find time for calling your sponsor and sponsoring mm-hmm. other people? Well, um, you know, it's it's all a matter of priorities, and it's it was taught to me, and and I'll say it here: anything I put in front of my recovery, I will lose. So, um, you know, I always found time to eat. <laughs> I always <laughs> found time to binge. So, um, I have appointments. I ha- I take um, phone call appointments. So I have a, a sponsee call at 10 after 7, three times a week. New people, I have them call me every day, and we'll check in for 10 or 15 minutes every day. Um, and, and I just schedule that stuff. And then for me with my sponsor, we meet probably once every other month, and I call her at least three or four times a week. And I, she's kind and doesn't uh, make me stick to a schedule, but many of us prefer a, a calling schedule. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Well, it's time for us to take a short break. Okay. So um, Beth will continue with you after the break. This is Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Stay tuned. life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to energy medicine and optimal health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. 
Welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. We're talking with Beth about OA's first three program tools, a plan of eating, sponsorship, and meetings. So we already talked about the first two, so now we're going to talk a little bit about meetings. So, Beth, tell me about your first OA meeting. What was it like? Well, I have, uh, there was my first first OA meeting when I wasn't ready, and then there was the one when I was ready. So I'll uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the first meeting when well, I'll talk about either one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, try and touch on them both briefly. The first one when I went, I saw a bunch of fat, middle-aged, older women complaining. And I said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to still try and figure this out. And right. then ten, thir- you know, three years later, I came back and I was, I'd had enough. And my first meeting, I felt love and, you know, it was quiet and ordered and Everyone was so friendly, and they gave me a newcomer packet. I, I don't remember if they did, but I'm pretty sure they did, and uh, and hugged me and gave me phone numbers, and, and I listened, and I cried, and I knew I was home. Yeah. How did, you, how did you know that you'd come to the right place? Was it just that experience that you had right there? Did you hear people share things that really touched you? Well, for me, um, I had been in AA, so I knew that, that, and I knew OA was the largest uh, 12-step program, so I knew that I had the best chance of recovering in OA. I knew that before I even went. So um, I'd heard about OA, I knew that it worked, and so I showed up ready to do the drill. Yeah. So, do you, and you still go to meetings now? Oh my gosh, yes. I will, you know... If I ever get too well to go to meetings, then I need to keep going to meetings. And, and you know, by the way, that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> what I have is a daily reprieve, a, a daily reprieve from this from this disease of compulsive eating. Um, so I go to at least three meetings a week, at least. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Someone might want to know, well, you, you're abstinent. You've maintained a weight loss for a long time. So why still go if you've already, you know, achieved your goal? Mm. Well, this disease centers in my mind, and I have a sick mind. I, uh, you know, my relationship with food was so disordered, um, and I will snap back to type. You know, I will revert to type if I don't continue to go to these meetings, and I cannot keep my recovery in a vacuum. I must go to meetings and find these newcomers and try to help them. That's the only way I get to keep it. Yeah, it's like it kind of keeps you honest and keeps you in touch with what you've gotten. And keeps me sane. You know, it it helps me remember, like, oh, yeah, this is where I don't want to go, you know, when I hear (laughs) the newcomers. That's great. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What would you tell somebody who's never been to OA about coming to a meeting? Don't worry. Just show up. Just show up. Go, you know, there's no dues, there's no fees, nobody's going to have you sign a membership sheet, they, they, they'll pass around a phone list and you're welcome to put your number down, but there are no requirements. Just show up and, and go to a bunch of different meetings. Just, you don't have to say anything, you don't have to talk to anybody, just go, you know, just go. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Beth, for um, sharing your insights with us about those tools. Um, now we're going to talk to Leslie from New Jersey. To uh, are you there, Leslie? Hello. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. 
Uh, Leslie's going to talk about her recovery in OA and the next three tools we're going to discuss, telephone, writing, and literature. So um, in our pamphlet on the tools, it says something really great about the telephone as a program tool. So I'm going to read a little paragraph and then... Um, We'll talk about it. Member-to-member contact helps us share on a one-to-one basis and avoid the isolation that is so common among us. Many members call, text, or email their sponsors and other OA members daily. This tool helps us learn to reach out, ask for help, and extend help to others. Telephone or electronic contact also provides an immediate outlet for those hard-to-handle highs and lows we may experience. So, Leslie, did you isolate yourself from others when you were still eating compulsively? Absolutely. Um, my life was very isolated. I, I didn't pick up the phone. I didn't return phone calls. I was very centered around the food, uh, getting the food, where to eat the food, how to eat the food. Um, so I really didn't have much of a social life prior to coming to OA. The telephone weighed a 1,000 pounds, and I never wanted to pick it up. Wow. And, and you've lost, how, how much weight have you lost? Uh, so far, I've lost 108 pounds. Wow. That's amazing. And how and how long? So, are you still in a process of losing, or is that, are you? At I, I still have about fifteen pounds to go. Great, great. Um, so, did you find it difficult when you got into OA to call others and ask for help? Was that challenging for you? Yeah, it was a challenge for me because I I didn't know people. I didn't generally make phone calls to people I didn't know. Um, I was asked to make three phone calls a day. So I started to look at the WeCare list, which is something the meetings put out of people's phone numbers and their names so we can call each other and get strength from each other. Um, so I, my sponsor asked me to call three people each day, and that was a challenge at first because, again, the phone weighed a 1,000 pounds, and I wasn't used to picking up the phone to talk to people to begin with, let alone people I didn't know. Yeah, and, and how was it? Did, did other people in OA call you as well? Yes, I did. As a newcomer, I received several calls, and I was very touched. I really didn't know what to expect when I came to OA. Um, I saw a lot of love in the rooms, a lot of caring, uh, but I wasn't a part of that as a newcomer. But people called me uh, from the program, asked me if I had any questions, uh, if I could be helped in any way. They asked me to come to another meeting. They suggested there was a meeting near my house. I should make that meeting. They offered to meet me at the meeting. That's great. Wow, that must have been overwhelming for you to receive so much like enthusiastic report, uh, support from people. It really was, and it was a real eye-opener for me because for the first time, somebody was generally interested in me. There was no nothing I had to pay for, nothing nobody was looking for me to give anything back. It was just genuine sincerity. Wow. How does um, using the phone, emailing, texting, all of that, how does that support you now uh, in staying abstinent? Well, it's still a very important tool of mine, Naomi's, and basically I call my sponsor and I still call three people every day. Uh, it keeps me in connection with people in between meetings. Um, it also allows me to share privately with people things I don't necessarily want to share at a meeting. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. And that way um, you're not necessarily bringing that stuff to the meeting. Right. You can, you can have that outlet with somebody one-on-one. Right. And especially now with texting, it's, it's immediate. When I first got absent in this program, we didn't have cell phones and texting and things like that. So now it's almost immediate. You can get an answer. And at times where I can't pick up the phone and call somebody, I'm able to text them or receive a text. 
And do you find um, if you're if you're in a challenging situation, like there's some food that's calling to you, or maybe you're going to a social event and you're concerned, do you just pick up the phone and call one of your OA buddies, or your sponsor, right away and say, "I need some help with this"? Yes, I do. I don't hesitate anymore. Uh, basically, it's a we program, and I need the help around me and the support around me. And I know that my fellow OAers have been there before, so they're giving me the support that they've walked through this before, and it gives me a lot of hope that I can make through the situation and not be, you know, wanting to pick up or be bothered by certain foods or certain situations that are happening. Yeah. Did you find that um, using the phone in this way, in a way, helped you in other parts of your life too? Yes, it has. It has. Uh, it allowed me to go outside of the box a little bit, um, use the phone to call other people in my life beside program people. Uh, I now return phone calls. Uh, I'm not a person that if you call me, you don't hear from me back. Um, and it really has helped me in other parts of my life. It's helped me to reach out and ask for help in other areas of my life as well. Oh, that's so great. All right, good. So we're going to move on to the next tool, which is that of writing. Um, so in an earlier show, we talked about doing um, the written inventory in step four about who you may have harmed in your life and, and writing all that down. So what was that process like for you? Well, it was a challenge. It was a, it was also an eye opener for me because um, I it was hard for me to put down people that I had harmed because what I found out as I was starting to do a fourth step, the person I harmed the most was myself. Ah, oh, sure. So it was hard for me to put down and to go back in the history of my mind to, to put down the people I had harmed. Once I got started with the fourth step inventory, though, it was it was clear to me what I needed to write. But the person I had harmed the most was myself, and that came clear to me when I was doing my four-step inventory. Yeah. What other ways? Um, now, you've been in program for how long? Uh, I've been in program 21 years. Oh, wow. So what other ways do you use writing or journaling now um, to keep you actively working your program? Because you've been in for a long time, so do you still use that tool? Uh, yes, I do. What I definitely do is I have the For Today book, which is our daily meditation book, And I read it, and there's usually a paragraph, and it sums it up with two lines at the bottom. And sometimes, most days before the day is over, I write about what I've read and what it means to me in my life today or what it sparks into me, what I have already read in the book. I also do a 10-step inventory, which is our 10-step, continue to take a personal inventory, and when we were wrong, we promptly admit it. So this way, I take a tally of my day, I go over my day, and see where some of my character defects may have popped up, where do I need to make an amends, Um, and it keeps me grounded that way. Yeah, I I would think it would keep you really current, like you wouldn't have grudges or, or resentments building up that way. Exactly. Yeah. How is it different um, than just talking to somebody or thinking about your emotions or your actions, reactions, situations? Um, Well, sometimes by talking, I don't always get everything out that I'm thinking of at the moment uh, that I would put on paper. It's a more honest approach for me. When I put down on paper, a lot of stuff comes out that I normally may not have been speaking about to another person. Um, it also identifies other factors, whereas I'm speaking to somebody, I may be speaking on one thing, I'm not getting to the root of what the problem is, but as I start writing, a lot more is revealed. Huh. And then do you, do you ever go back and read what you wrote, um, you know, a while ago in earlier times in your program? 
Yes, I do. I've been a part of uh, several step study groups, and I've kept everything. And when I go into another step study group, I look back on the last step study group and think where I was at my life at the time and what I was going through and how these new situations might be beneficial from the earlier situations to be helpful. Wow, that's good. That's great that you saved that you saved that, so you can really see your your progress and your insights at the time. Um, why do you think writing is a tool of the OA program? Well, I think it's a tool in the program because it's important and it actually um, helps the program solidify the program and get your feelings out. It encourages your feelings out, and it's a tool that you can do anywhere at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that it gets the person um, more in touch with their feelings. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, okay, well, let's move into our uh, next tool, which is literature. Um, and we just have a, about a minute before the break, but we'll get started on that. Um, so... Uh, when we talk about literature in the context of the OA tools, we're referring specifically to OA literature, not like, you know, Shakespeare or fiction or whatever. Um, and we're also talking about some of AA's literature as well. And there is so much material out there about emotional eating, addictions, dieting, so on. So why focus so much on OA literature? That's where I find the solution to the program. In the OA literature, that's where it enforces the 12 steps and 12 traditions in my life today. I don't get that by picking up a book of self-help book nature. Um, I get the OA, well, I call it the OA dogma, and that's what I need mm. to keep breathing. I need to be reminded of that. I have a disease that forgets I have a disease. I need to be reminded of a daily basis. And somewhere in a given day, I'm reading some sort of OA literature, whether it be my meditation book or when I attend the meetings, I attend step meetings and big book meetings. So I'm always reading the literature, and that reinforces the program to me in my mind. Um, I can't get this information from reading Shakespeare or anything else. So I need, right. to, stick to, I need to stick to the OA, you know, the books and the, the pamphlets and things that I have in my repertoire to help me to stay absent in each day and keep me grounded in the program. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, we're going to take another short break. Thank you, Leslie. We'll be back with you in a minute. Um, you're listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on Voice America. We'll be right back. Your life, your health. Your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories, I took pills, eating and eating, and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone. Like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you. People who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous, help me get my life back. Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on. With OA, I am living again and loving it. Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at OA.org.
are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to the show. We're talking with Leslie from New Jersey about her experience using the telephone, writing, and literature to help support her abstinence. Welcome back, Leslie. Thank you. Um, okay, so we were talking about literature. You were saying that it, it reinforces your program in ways that other kinds of literature don't. So is there something that you read in your early time in OA that really jumped out at you or maybe catapulted you forward in your program in a big way? Yes, there was. Uh, I'll never forget that my first meeting. It was a first step meeting. I was very fortunate to be in a, a first meeting with a first step meeting. Um, and when I read the first step, I related to just about everything that was in print. And it just jumped out at me, and it was that I was powerless over food and my life was unmanageable. I had not read that before. Nobody had ever said that to me before. I didn't even know where that came from. Um, I also realized that I wasn't a bad person trying to get good. I was a sick person trying to get well. Oh, that I had, that I had a disease. I have a disease. Yeah. That must have been a relief for you in a way to feel, you know, to consider that. It really was um, because my whole life I knew I was different. I, I knew I was odd about something with the food. I didn't share that with any people at all, actually. It was a secret. So that was a big secret I was carrying in my life. And I knew that, you know, it was a wee program, that we were powerless over food and our lives had become unmanageable. That was just the very beginning for me. And the disease concept is hard, was hard for me to accept at first, but within time in the program, I can certainly identify with it. And um, step one was a true eye, step one was a very big eye opener for me in this program. Yeah. Do you find yourself um, even now, like reading things that you've read in the past, OA literature, A literature that you've read in the past, and understanding it in a new way? Yeah, and it's actually, it's according to where my life is at the time. I remember reading, and I've read the steps over and over again in the many years I've been in this program, and there yet, there's still days when I'm in a step meeting and I'll say, where did that line come from? Like I hadn't seen it before because I was busy somewhere else identifying another passage of the the step we were reading. So something new comes up all the time for me. Yeah, that's great. So tell me a little bit, just in general, how your life is now since you've been in OA. Well, my life today is a beautiful life. Um, I'm very rewarded. I'm very blessed. Um, I feel that OA has opened many doors for me. Uh, it allowed me to put down the food, to treat the food as a disease and get on with my life. Um, I am living beyond my wildest dreams. A life beyond my wildest dreams today. And that's so great. And has it um, helped you in your, like your relationships, your job, other areas not necessarily related to the food directly? Yes, because I'm, I'm working on myself and I'm finding out things about myself and working the steps of this program has enabled me to become one of many, not just one of one. And it allows me to work on many areas of my life as I, you know, trudge the road to happy destiny, as we say. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's great. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us, Leslie. It's great to have you. Thank you. Okay. Um, Our last guest on today's show is Mary from California, who's maintaining a 30-pound weight loss. Is that right, Mary? Uh, Yes. For 10 years? Um, Yes, for 10 years. And I came into program about 18 years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. 
took me a couple of years to get my abstinence, permanent abstinence, and then I was at, uh, I would lose just a few pounds, and then when I got to 30, that felt really good uh, with my uh, abstinence and my uh, the food plan that I was using. Then the next level or the next uh, process is to maintain what I've lost. And so I've been able to maintain the 30-pound loss over 10 years. That's excellent. Um, and that maintaining can be such a challenge for people, which is why they get into that, that kind of yo-yo dieting thing where they lose and get to their goal and then gain back and more. So congratulations on maintaining that. Um, okay, we're going to talk a little bit about Action Plan, which is the next tool of our nine tools. And I'm going to read a little bit from our tools pamphlet about what we mean by this. And then, Mary, I'd like to hear from you about how you've used this tool and how it supports you. An action plan is the process of identifying and implementing attainable actions that are necessary to support our abstinence and emotional, spiritual, and physical recovery. While the plan is tailored to our own recovery process, most of us find it important to work with a sponsor, a fellow OA member, or an appropriate professional to help us create it. This tool, like our plan of eating, may vary widely among members and may need to be adjusted as we progress in our recovery. So, for example, a newcomer's action plan might focus on planning, shopping for, and preparing food. Some members may need a regular fitness routine to improve strength and health, and others um, may need to set exercise limits in order to attain more balance. Some may need an action plan that includes time for meditation and relaxation or provides strategies for balancing work and family and friends and program. And others may need to organize their homes or deal with their finances and address medical, dental, or mental health issues. So um, have you used an action plan to support your abstinence? Uh, yes, Naomi, yes. Uh, and I just wanted to mention this is the newest tool right. <clears throat> program. And when our intergroup found out <clears throat> that we had an action tool, they wanted to know something about it. So the definition uh, became part of the process. Uh, as you had just uh, explained to us, our our inner group that I belong to made a bookmark so that people could have a permanent way of keeping their action plan. And so it was double-sided, or it is double-sided, and on one side is the word abstinence, and then how do I define it? How does each person define their abstinence, whether it's avoiding certain kinds of foods or eating at certain times a day or all the kind of abstinent um, behavior around food. So th- this is done, and then you can. there's space also to write your food plan for the day. Oh, that's great. That sounds yes. like a really useful thing. And then on the other side is what, what your actions are going to be for the day. So you had mentioned, uh, say, like medical uh, appointments that lots of people, including myself, even though I have many years in in OA, uh, making medical appointments and all that nature. So if I write down, I'm going to make some appointments today over the telephone and find out what I need to bring when I make the appointments and schedule them, I, I have something clear. And the next day I go back and review, okay, that was, say, Sunday's uh, or Monday's um, plan. Did what did I do? Did right. I go ahead and make those appointments? So even before people get absent, 
they can use the action plan to help them uh, because then I would take See, if I see a trend that I'm not doing something that I expected that I would, I'd be talking to my sponsor about, gosh, why am I avoiding this? And maybe I'd have to do an inventory. So it's a very, very practical tool. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. When you look back at your recovery over the years, do you see that you were doing that all all along, or did you start to incorporate some new actions um, once this tool was added? new actions once this tool came through. Yes, we, we've had it for two years. And I, I had lists, but when you get the action plan, this bookmark, all the kind of lists drift, drift away because now this is permanent. And I can just go ahead and it's a record. I can put the date each day, and it's just a record of what I've been doing. And it's a great way to see trends, certain trends. And another way I've directly used it is through exercise. Even though I've exercised for years, using the action plan gets me into very specific parts of my exercise routine, the classes I take, and the exercises that I need to do. And even like if I go to a chiropractor every so often, and if there's any new exercises that I need to incorporate, as, as part of my routine to stay strong, I can just write it down in the action plan. So it, it serves, as you can see, it, it serves many, many uh, ways. Yeah, yeah. So you can use it in whatever whatever way you need for whatever your particular goals are or um, whatever the day is actually requiring of you. Yes, and I, I think the action plan really keeps me accountable because I have a tendency to uh, lose things, and these are colored, uh, and they're on cardboard. They're nice and stiff, and they just can't uh, get get lost. I, I just have to keep them with me, say, around my meditation table. Oh, that's great. That's very clever. It's a, a very uh, practical way of using this tool. Yes. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about anonymity, which is the next tool in our um, in our tool bag. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it's, it's obvious by the name Overeaters Anonymous that anonymity is an important aspect of the program. So why do you think that is? Well, the people in AA who started all 12-step programs believed that they could not spend any moments at all in talking about other people or in making judgments because it was very urgent to find people to help uh, rescue them from the debilitating disease of addiction. And so with OA being, um, I guess, 55 years now we've been around, the anonymity is just crucial. And it's we're practicing it right now on this panel because I, I cannot see the other people who are on the panel, and the audience cannot see us because what we want our audience to get is the message and not who, who is giving it, but what is the message. That's right. That's way uh, to practice it. And in the meetings, and this is another tool that helps us get abstinent, helps us stay abstinent, and even for the newcomer, especially for the newcomer, to come into a room and hear exciting adventures people have had or hear uh, something that so, 
someone is needing to resolve. They're finding the solution and they've had a problem. But this is all very intimate. And you walk in and you uh, see this group of people willing to open up about themselves. It, it doesn't happen on the first day that a newcomer would want to speak. Right. Or even even come back. But as they begin to understand the principle of anonymity and that particular meeting is practicing it, it really helps when that newcomer gets on the phone that the person that they're speaking with in an outreach call is not going to gossip about them or talk about them in any way, just so that there's this very, very safe feeling. And yeah. Yeah, it's it's really uh, a, a wonderful process that uh, having that safe feeling of of not gossiping because that was one of my character defects that I've had to do inventories around. And what a difference today is because I I, I don't like to be around people. I try to I, I call them negative people who are always gossiping. And I kind of uh, in those settings, it's hard for me to stay because. I just need to practice my anonymity and not get involved and not join. Yeah, that's a really important point. We're going to talk. We're going to keep talking a little bit more about anonymity when oh, we come back for the break. Um, so I'm Naomi Lapel, and you're listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We will be right back. In your family, what is most important to you? Is it health? Relationships? How about getting along better with your kids or your parents? Maybe it has to do with losing pounds or gaining financially. Whatever the problems you face in your family, you'll want to tune in to Family First with your host, author, and speaker, Randy Rolfe. Since 1985, Randy has become the foremost expert on matters concerning the family, and she can help you. Family First airs live every Friday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you living your vital life, one that is showcasing you at your full potential? There are many issues that stand in the way of most people achieving their full potential. We will discuss these issues and how to overcome them each week on The Vital Life, Awakening Your Full Potential, with host Dr. Carolyn Coker-Ross. Living the vital life often requires that we trust our own intuitive voice and that we view illness or life challenges as calls to action to reconnect with the deeper urges of our spirit or soul. Tune in Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome 
Welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. We're talking with Mary about her recovery and how action plan, anonymity, and service have helped her stay abstinent in a way. So we were talking about anonymity, and um, you were saying that it really helps to know that when you're um, telling somebody something personal that you're not going to be gossiped about in OA, at, either at meetings or when you're talking with somebody one-on-one. Um, when you first came to a meeting, um, did you did you understand that at the beginning, um, or how did that help you, um, knowing that that was the case? Well, it really helped me because I was <clears throat> when I came before I came into program, I was pretty shut down <clears throat> emotionally, and I, it was very hard for me to talk to people. So, understanding anonymity, the whole concept of it, took me a while. But then once I understood it, I jumped in, and I felt like I need to let people know who I am. And practicing anonymity is is like if I'm talking to my sponsor after a meeting, I do not talk about the speaker, the person who gave the chair, or what people disclosed about themselves, whether it was something that they won award or whatever it was, that at a meeting... What we talk about stays there, stays there. And we even say that at the end of, of our meetings that what we hear here uh, stays here. And so everybody gets to hear that theme at every meeting or most meetings to really get the idea that uh, we can say I went to a meeting and we can say, gosh, I learned this, I learned this about a food plan at my last meeting, but I can't disclose who said what or or how it came about. And that's a, a way to practice the anonymity. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you know, I imagine um, people probably share some really personal things, not just about their eating patterns, but also maybe about what happened in their childhoods or in their relationships, you know, that's difficult for them. And so it, it seems that it would be so crucial to just really know, kind of like when you're in your therapist's office, you know, that yeah. that people aren't going to gossip about you or, or, you know, they're not going to say something about the personal things that you shared later on with you or with somebody else. Um, if you were, I'm curious, if you were to see um, someone who you knew from OA in the grocery store, like, and you were with somebody, would you not introduce them as someone you knew from OA? Oh, that's a great question, because this does come up. I'll invite uh, program people, that's what I call members of OA. I'll invite mm-hmm. program people to do different things with me, and, and they reciprocate. And so what we kind of do beforehand, how do we practice knowing each other? So that when someone does ask, oh, how do you know so-and-so? How do you know Naomi? We can go ahead and, and say something, and then there's just no one knows that. Right. Or anonymous. Yeah, and, and so that's that's another thing. I'm glad you brought that point up because we see people at work. We see people, our family members, you know, practicing anonymity among our families. Is is so crucial and a part of this is not only OA but but going out into our our own families and when we are with different levels of generation to really be uh, be aware that that's for me very important to be aware of my practice of anonymity. Yeah, 
Well, I want to make sure we get to our last okay. tool before we run out of time, which is service, um, which is such an important tool in our program. And in the 12th step, uh, 12th, 12th step, excuse me, of the program steps, um, it says we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters. So what is it about helping others who are suffering as you once did with this disease? Why is that so important that it's included in the steps, do you think? Well, it's included in the steps to remind us our primary purpose is to help the compulsive eater who is still suffering. So that's our number one message. Our number one message is not come in, lose weight, or gain weight if you need to, and look beautiful, no, or handsome. No, our primary message is to, is to uh, carry on what, what we have been given. And yeah. we do that through service. This is an example of service right now. <clears throat> and I've had an opportunity to, uh, to do service uh, with, uh, at many levels uh, throughout my, my time in OA. And it's a way to meet other people. It's a way to make sure that meetings exist and, and continue by taking the service positions at meetings. So wherever there's something like at a workshop or the other night we had a Halloween dance, we had, a, had panel speakers. Well, the people who were the speakers and the people who did the decorations and set up the dance were doing service. And the rest of us coming in were doing service by participating in that. And, and that's another way. I can even tie that back with an anonymity. So we can say, gosh, we had a great time at the dance, and the person who put on the whole event doesn't get extra credit. Everybody gets credit because they participate at some level. Right, right. So it's so really everybody is, it kind of makes everybody a part of, of the process and of the group, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How does it help you personally in your recovery and in your abstinence? Well, uh, doing service, it's, it, it's a way to meet people and it's a way to find out more about program. And I develop my own talents through doing service. So I've, I've gone from uh, the different service positions at meetings and I've gone to intergroup and then to region two and then to world service. And at every level, it requires from me a different kind of expertise. And I certainly, there's a lot of things that I need to learn how to do. And because of that mentoring or sponsoring that we do in OA, it's a way to keep on giving back. So uh, service helps me stay absent. It helps me keep my focus at Recovery is the number one thing in my life, and that has been. When I got into OA, I heard that, you know, making recovery the number one thing because everything else that I gain from recovery, I can keep as long as I stay abstinent, and my life has completely changed from before program until now. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. How has your life changed? Well, I've been in business for almost 20 years, um, the exercise level I've done today is at a, as, at a higher level than I did before, and the consistency of discipline, of doing service and then being accountable has helped 
and I do volunteer work for nonprofits, and I can see the skills that I gained in OA help me go ahead and do other, take on other kinds of projects, projects that before I, I wouldn't have thought, how can I do this? How can I learn how to do it and do it in an effective way? And that's wow. So the tool of service even extends outside of the organization as well? Yes. And it's living yeah. the principles of the 12 steps by taking what I've gained here, the spiritual connection that I've made, that I can go ahead and, and bring that out to to the community, to my family, to the community, and, and to the nonprofits, and uh, also to my work. That's great. Well, we are uh, almost out of time, so thank you so much, Mary, for oh, sharing your um, your insights and your experience with us. Um, it is time to conclude another episode of Sound Bites from OA. Thanks again to Beth, Leslie, and Mary for being on the show today and sharing their inspiring recovery stories. Before I go, I want to remind you that people come to OA from all walks of life and experience a wide variety of patterns and behaviors in relation to food. This can include obsession with body weight, diets and size, binges and grazing, starving oneself, laxative abuse, excessive exercise, purging, or just a constant preoccupation with food. If you find that you are suffering in this way, you're not alone. Consider checking out an OA meeting. There you'll find unconditional acceptance, compassion, and support from people who have been where you are and have found a way out. OA's 12 Steps and 9 Tools of Recovery will help you achieve inner change so you no longer have a need for excess food. So go to our website at OA.org and find a meeting or call us at 505-891-2664. Join us next week on Soundbites from Overeaters Anonymous when we'll be talking about keeping your eating sane during the holiday season. Thanks for listening. Thank you again for joining us this week. Soundbites from Overeaters Anonymous is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until next week's program, may you find support, acceptance, and hope for a renewed life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.